Oh my gosh, we Of course, the we hit record and everything freezes. I know, it's technology is here to kill us all. <laughs> happy so, spooky season. Happy spooky season. Uh, fun fact, I uh, was wax sealing some letters last night and uh, my furnace decided that it wasn't going to produce enough heat. So I actually had to hold my spoon underneath my lighter like I was doing very, very fancy heroin. <laughs> oh, dear. I mean, it worked. It worked. <sighs> also, uh, you, you are also a bisexual, correct? I'm not outing Damn, you to the podcast. You're not me. <laughs> we've, we've talked about this on the podcast before. I know. I'm partly teasing. Uh, do you open things with knives? Yes and no, depending on the item. If it's a letter that I know is a credit card offer, I rip it up and throw it out. If it's like a box, I grab the knife. Right. But just like in general, like if you have like a package or something, do you just like grab a knife and open it? Yeah, package wise. Yeah. Or like a a food thing, like a bag of sugar. Well, not like a bag of sugar. I use resealable bag of sugar because I'm bougie. I Um, use that or my teeth. I'm going to be honest. Okay. So, I'm now, that, kids. so I now have formed a hypothesis that that is the peak of bisexuality is just using knives to open things. Yeah. Yeah. We have no more forks to give. So we've moved on to knives and we're definitely That's a very good spoons. one. I was, I was also going to say that it goes back to that like Japanese pun about bisexuals being dual wielders when it comes to swords. Hell yeah. So... <laughs> I'm trying to think if there was any other necessary banter to cover ahead of the show. Hi, it's been a minute. Uh, we're both very busy. Oh, listeners at home, Tori is hosting a Halloween party that I'm very excited to go to because it'll be the first time I will have seen her in over a year. I'm very, very excited to see you. So, one, I've been freaking out over a cheese board or a shark or a shark spookery board because I'm extra. <laughs> And then two, please appreciate the level of anxiety that I have over needing two costumes for this year and forgetting entirely that I've been a cosplayer for over a decade and have a closet full of costumes. I was going to say, can't you just like walk to the closet? See, you can say that, but my brain spent, I shit you not, I think a week and a half, like trying to finagle what else I'm going to wear. As if I don't have a closet full of other stuff. So I decided to... It's, it's a mess. It's a whole ass mess. My whole costume, my initial plan, I got this dress from Shein or Shane, whatever the hell it is, S-H-E-I-N. Mm-hmm. And I have this thing in my head where I think I'm always think I'm bigger than I am. And so I bought a 3X being like, oh, it'll probably be small. No, I wore that to judge a pageant and it was falling off me and like showing the titties. So mm-hmm. I was like, we're not wearing that. So I got a different dress and now it just looks like me wearing black and being weird. And I absolutely love the store Die With Your Boots On. Not a sponsor, but I love them. They're in Salem, Massachusetts and you can order from them online. And now I'm like obsessed. They sent me stickers and candy and all sorts of stuff. And I'm like, Yes, friends, you would be on my, okay, so rushes out for the foreseeable future. 
I decided to get really excited. Yes. Right. And start yes. looking at possible trips for the future once everybody's kind of vaccinated and chilled, if that ever happens. Yes. And Russia is basically a super no-go on the U.S. travel website where it's like, yeah, yeah. so they've got COVID really bad. And also mm-hmm. they're one of our greatest political enemies. So maybe not a good idea. And I'm like, yeah, yeah I can see I- that. I have to listen to my husband. Um, and then I go, okay, well, I'll go to Norway. Norway, due to COVID, is at the same level of do not travel. Mm-hmm. War torn Ukraine, however, is that a three? So you can go as long as you don't go to the Crimean Peninsula. Sure. Uh, like, I, sh- okay. I have a really, really good friend in Norway. Uh, she messaged me yesterday saying it's snowing. So that tracks. She had she had some complaints about snow. Oh, uh, Tori, would you like to tell the audience at home about the whole last day that I had one Friday before 9 a.m.? Oh, my God. How? I don't. How? So I don't know what it is about us and people being like, these people must have money. We're going to take their cards and use them. And yes, it's like, no, 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 friend. There's five dollars in there and maybe a suggestion of hello. Yes. Um, Someone decided to steal Amanda's credit card information. Yes. in the wee hours of the morning and try to buy concert tickets yes would you like to tell them the story i happily so i woke up at around three o'clock in the morning to a notification from my bank they were like hey did you try to just spend like three hundred dollars on Ticketmaster?" and i was like no <laughs> i was like so first of all i don't see you buying things from Ticketmaster ever i mean i have occasionally but like not now not 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 this day and age so i'm like no whatever roll over and they're like hey that was probably fraudulent and i was like cool i checked my account when i was more lucid uh and had like two other charges that i didn't recognize that were additional like 200 something dollars that went through and it's like oh fuck called chase spoke to two human beings got that all squared away new card was in the mail oh went to leave to work saw the saddest thinnest cat i'd ever seen went back inside for emergency cat food left emergency cat food outside for cat went to work on my way into work brought donuts for office and kolaches being considerate of the food and religious sensitivities that one of my co-workers has and still made it into work on time like i aspire to be at that level because most of the time but my job is pretty cool in the fact that because I tend to have meetings till sometimes 11 o'clock at night because HOAs are no respecter of people. Um, they allow us to work from home three out of the five days, which mm-hmm. is badass. I'm going to tell you that because, I mean, even if you have to go on site and you know you have to dress up and stuff like that, you don't have to drive. My, my commute's about an hour. You don't have to drive an hour to go into work. So those mm-hmm. two days that I do go into work, I'm just going, <laughs> I don't even have time to stop for a soda for me, like whiny, bitchy mode. Um, I do want to say this was not what my job was last year when I was about ready to cry all the time. But yes, um, this is a different I, job where you're about ready to cry some of the times, some of the times and only about one property. So yeah. I'm very, very stoked now because I'm like, I work someplace I like. And mm-hmm. even when things are hard, like I don't have to watch my back every five seconds with my company. That's yeah. really nice. So anyway, this uh, 
pumpkin spice liqueur is really good and also doubles as a truth serum. Yeah. Uh, cinnamon cream liqueur, which is like off-brand rum chata, similar. Uh, we say that because, uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show, welcome to spooky season. Uh, we're covering uh, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow by Washington Irving. Yes. I did that like a question because I did not know and I was not looking at the outline. Um, because it's Halloween and I think everyone has either come in contact with this story or has seen the Disney movie that is much better. So fun thing that we can kind of throw out there at the start here. One, the pumpkin spice liqueur. I will give you guys that recipe because I made it. Two, oh, look at you. This story is the Disney version from the 40s. The cartoon is actually way more accurate than the Tim Burton movie. because The Tim Burton movie kind of just added filler to make it a two hour movie. This Isn't is a what very short book. That's, that's what Tim Burton does. Yes. I was like, not, not trying to completely besmirch, you know, Tim Burton, but isn't that what he, he just does? Pretty much. Hey, I'm going to make I, this weirder. Okay. Like, uh, I... So even more fun, this is a really, really, really short book. It and is. if you listen to it on audio at like three times, you can get mm-hmm. this done really fast. So mm-hmm. if you have to read this for a class or something like that, just do it. it. It'll save you a lot of heartache. Yeah, and it's it's not a terrible read, honestly. I, I just read books. <laughs> yeah, I was actually surprised because despite the fact that it is racist as fuck, it's actually really easy to read. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that. So short and story long. And this time it's actually the short story long is shorter than the book. So I'm very proud of you. You're welcome. This is what happens when I'm busy. Yes. It's 1790 in the Glen of Sleepy Hollow near Terrytown, which is in New York. Ichabod Crane is a local teacher who travels from home to home, lodging and eating as part of his care. Uh, he really, really likes food. He's yes. tall, lanky, awkward, has a kind of long nose and just will eat you out of house and home if given the option. He's very superstitious, loves horror stories. Well, I guess mm-hmm. this is just spooky legends. And yes. people also don't trust him because he's from Connecticut. Yes. Which is hysterical to me because, like, you've got New York and you've got Connecticut, and they're right next, well, not right next to each other, but they're very close. I was talking about this with Mark earlier today. We live out in Texas, so to get anywhere, you have to drive forever. Yeah. But if you're on the East Coast, you can drive into quote unquote the city, aka New York, from multiple states yeah that's bad of a deal that's honestly so weird to me like i was watching like some dumb vice thing and it's like oh yeah i commute from like new jersey to new york it's like that's a whole like what the fuck are you talking about well there's a part in what is it white christmas where they decide they're just going to go to vermont and they were like leaving from new york and like people will go visit each other for to make sure that they're in time for their show i'm like what like Mm -hmm. We want to go to Dallas. We've got to prepare for a five-hour drive and the apocalypse in a vehicle. Like, it's... Or a plane ride that costs more than your daily... Oh, my God. Yeah, we have a... We're going to have some words about Ichabod in a little bit. (laughs) So, Ichabod ends up having a really big crush on a woman named Katrina Von Tossel, or rather, her inheritance. Mm -hmm. She is very pretty, um, but he's actually more interested in the amount of food that her dad's farm creates all the animals that are there all the wealth and stuff that are a major draw 
He knows he will never be hungry again, and he's into this. But his major yeah. competition is a guy named Abraham Braun Bones Van Brunt. So everybody yes. just calls him Braun Bones, which I think is hysterical. I uh, do too. He plays a very stereotypical jock. He's mm-hmm. very much into um, playing pranks, causing issues, standing up against people and being like, you want to fight? Um, mm-hmm. Both Braun Bones and Ichabod are invited to a harvest party at the Van Tassel house. So mm-hmm. you'll see, what I think is really funny is you'll see a lot of churches and stuff out here be like, we're having a harvest festival. We're not having a Halloween party. I'm like, that's even more pagan. Anyway. Um, so- okay, I actually, I need to pause you. Sorry, because you have a line in here that I read out of context. And this is going to, uh, exp- this is going to show both of us where our state of being is. Because you said Bones can't force Ichabod into a showdown. And I thought that you were talking about the pug who has bones or no bones. Oh, I And it being him. like, and it being like a no bones day. So <laughs> Ichabod can't do it. For reference, there is a pug on TikTok. His name is Noodle. And he's approximately a million years old. He's like 13. And his odor will try to like prop him up and see if he stands. And if he does, that's a bones day. That's when the dog has bones. If he falls over, that's a no bones day because he sort of like flops over like he has no bones. And it's become like this wonderful like horoscope shorthand for how your day is gonna go it's our modern oracle it's hysterical it really is and like it took it went off like lightning everyone is doing it and like so quickly it's just entered the modern lexicon we're like i could ask i could ask tori like oh was today a bones day or a no bones day and like she'll understand what i mean like it's insane but like I read that completely out of context and was like, oh, it was no bones day. Cool. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, when you're trying to date a Van Tassel, it's a so it ends up being a no bones day for for yeah, it was, Ichabod. It was let's be honest. No bones day. They go to this party. Everybody's eating. They're having a good time. Ichabod's mm-hmm. really into it. And Brahm's like, hey, I, I know some ghost stories. And Ichabod's like, yeah, I love ghost stories. Why don't you tell me one? Mm-hmm. So Brahm goes, okay. And he tells him the story about a headless man that, you know, rides around town and is out near this bridge and how one time Brom decided he was going to race this ghost. Mm-hmm. What? Um, you can do that. He's a badass and, you know, he's a big old man. Um, and he goes into this whole freaky story about, you know, chasing it. But once he gets over the, the um, bridge, you know, the guy just disappears and he knows that he's safe. And he's like, yeah. I'm tough. So Ichabod is hanging around this party a lot later than he normally would. Brom Mm -hmm. is too. And he's kind of watching him because Ichabod is trying to suck up to Katrina Von Tassel so he can propose. Now, while Washington Irving doesn't exactly tell us what happens, we get a pretty quick idea that Katrina Von Tassel could see right through him and told him basically to go F himself. So He's leaving the party. He's very sad. And now he's also got this story floating around in his head about the very places that he's about to travel through to get home. Mm -hmm. And as he's traveling, somebody starts to come up behind him. Mm -hmm. So he's near a bridge next to the old Dutch burying ground where the headless Hessian from the story is supposed to hunt. Mm -hmm. And he freaks out a little bit, decides he's going to start riding faster. 
and he turns behind him and the Hessian is close on his heels. Mm-hmm. He almost falls off his horse, manages not to. He's like clinging to it as the saddle falls. He mm-hmm. looks back and sees the Hessian hurl a severed head directly at him. Keep in mind that he's crossed the bridge. He thinks this thing is going to disappear, but it doesn't. And it throws its head at him. He tries to duck, but it hits him in the head and he tumbles from his horse. And that is the last we hear about Ichabod because the next day he's nowhere to be seen. Brian and mm-hmm. Katrina get married. Brom spends his, the rest of his life smirking whenever Ichabod is mentioned. Pretty good indication that he probably had something to do with it. And all that was found from this whole thing was Ichabod's hat, his horse's saddle, and a shattered pumpkin. So you can kind of draw your own conclusions. No, no, bullshit. There is nothing that you can draw from that. Like that a hundred percent is like the BuzzFeed unsolved. Like they found a pentagram, you know, there was blood on the floor. It's like a wit, it's like three notes, a witch is that. Like, like, no, like that's, what the fuck are you talking about? There, you can draw an infinitesimal amount of things. Someone could have fucked that pumpkin. I don't even want to know how you got from the possibility of Brom throwing a pumpkin at Ichabod and having it shatter at his feet to having sex with a literal pumpkin, dude. Listen, musical theater is a hell of a drug. Okay, that that explains more. It's like that tracks. That tracks. Being a bisexual musical theater nerd. We need to go get a knife so you can open your mail. Okay, real talk. I opened up my bag of laundry pods with an iridescent knife. So I really yeah. want a fancy letter opener. I have like what I have wax seals, I have multiple glass dip pins, I have fancy calligraphy ink. I need a letter opener. I need like a dagger or a katana letter opener. Christmas is coming. But uh, no, like an infinitesimal amount of solutions could come from that. Like you, you've literally just listed like someone's horrible grocery list. You don't know what happened. What do you what mean? What I, I love <laughs> is it kind of depends on what side of the spooky you're on. And to go back to your uh, reference for BuzzFeed Unsolved, are you a Shane or are you a Ryan? For those of you who don't watch BuzzFeed Unsolved, Shane is the uh, skeptic who's like yeah she is is a demon possessed goblin man he is the definition of chaotic he is a he i think he's at least like chaotic good he's where that phrase if you see it online that hello demons it's me your boy comes from that's shane that's shane midday he also does puppet history which a friend actually messaged me when she first saw it is like is this isn't this just you because I always tend to think that I'm more of a Bugara because I actually believe in this stuff. But increasingly, I realize that I, I am Shane. I am a and strange. So the the other half of this, the Bugara part, is the Ryan Bugara. Ryan Bugara. He's like the sweetest, sweet baby angel and must be protected at all costs. But will also square up against anyone else so quickly. He has like huge, like short guy energy. No offense, Ryan. I know you're not listening. Like he has massive short man energy because I also have short man energy, is ready to fight God at a drop of a hat, but will run if like something rumbles in the night. It is amazing. It's amazing how many times Shane sets something up so that a security guard or somebody walks through when Ryan is doing like 
his own little time where he's recording and monologuing and doing things and you just, just hear him scream freak him out a few of the times it has genuinely been an accident like when they were in a i think it was the lizzie borden house and it just like there there was a caretaker and like no one told them like oh hey there's gonna be some nerds in here so like caretaker full opens the door and ryan just shrieks just like a pterodactyl it's amazing watch buzzfeed unsolved also go watch their stuff on uh, the watcher which is actually a reference they stole from buzzfeed unsolved which makes me very happy uh this is the last season of uh buzzfeed unsolved uh supernatural which does make me sad but also the first episode's like 45 minutes long very excited haven't watched it yet because i wanted like an unbroken length of time so i could focus on it Uh, i'm doing a lot of gesturing i'm assuming it's the cinnamon cream uh, on my other podcast, we were talking about a uh, psychological abuse in um, Boys Love Romance. And I told the story of me being uh, emotionally and physically abused. And uh, one guy was like, that was so brave of you. And it's like, that was not bravery. It was bourbon. <laughs> I had two bourbon coffees that morning. It's like there was not an ounce of bravery at all. That was entirely just bourbon. Also that I have no filter because that's how I cope by not coping. Do your shadow work with pumpkin spice liqueur. <laughs> so, okay, we have, we have some light themings to do. Uh, I guess actually there's one that we left off but we probably should start with, which actually is the pumpkin. <laughs> uh, a marvelous gourd for your horde um basically pumpkins are like really really cool little uh fertility uh squashes that a lot of cultures use it's a food thing as well um you start seeing them creep up around fall time because of its association with Samhain and the original stories of jack-o'-lanterns is that you use them so spirits can inhabit them and have a nice chill place to hang out they also in um more Celtic countries used to use turnips or available items. Yes. <laughs> available, I do love that. Fruits, gourds and vegetables. I, I absolutely love that. I love the idea of just like making a lantern out of like a particularly thick rutabaga. It's so fun. So I did one with a turnip last year. Like I, I carved the turnip last year and I left it on the counter. And those things over the next few days, they start to shrink up. So then they look like a scary old man face. And it's even yeah, they look like shrunken heads, but without uh, the horrible uh, use of human remains. Yeah. Yeah. I know how shrunken heads are made, and I don't really want to go into it right now. <laughs> I also know how shrunken heads are made. Uh, I mean, this just seems, this just tracks for us, though. Tori has had a wonderfully horrible time on the recent revival of the fact that I would be that creepy guy in your class who knows too much about World War II if I was white and a man. (laughs) I have to be really careful because I've gotten super into like Viking tradition and history and culture and I have to be like okay keep in mind this varies all over you know, whether it's Scandinavia or mm-hmm. Scotland. And even mm-hmm. in Scotland, is it up near Orkney and Shetland or is it down closer to the Angles? Like, and then you have this entire group of a-holes that have decided we're going to use Norse paganism and we're going to take it and we're going to make it about white supremacy. Guys, 
Fuck well, off. okay. In all fairness, they were not the first to do that. That starts with Hitler. Yeah. Like, I'm not yeah. giving, I'm not, by no means am I giving these people a pass because it makes me play a very, very not fun game of, I see a Thor's hammer. Are you a racist or are you chill? Oh yeah. That one's a super fun game to play. I, I oh my God, I hate that game so much because I'm a nerd and I know what that looks like. And I might not be Norse pagan, but I super respect Norse pagans. Um, so I'll see a th- someone wearing a Thor's hammer and I want to like talk to them because I'm a nerd and that's what you do. And it's like, this is a 50-50 of this guy's going to call me a slur or they're going to be like super chill and like be glad that I know what their thing means. Scream. <laughs> so for those of you who don't live in Texas or heard about it this week, there was a school administrator yes. in uh, Texas who decided to tell a group of teachers, not realizing he was being recorded, that um, if they were going to have books about the Holocaust in their classroom, they should have books with opposing views included. Friends, that's just called white supremacy, okay? Also, just look at a Texas history book. The Holocaust happened. It was brutal. It was nasty. Now, if not as many people died as, you know, compared to like Pol Pot's raid or something, who fucking cares i don't even like saying that anymore like we were we were just talking about this off camera where it's like i i hate that like this has truly become like world's next victim we're like can we just acknowledge that like all of this is bad it's bad like okay i understand stalin killed a bunch of his own people syria killed a bunch of their own people it doesn't reduce the horror of the crime it happened Mm-hmm. It happens. Trying to pass it off as oh, it wasn't that bad is bullshit. And absolutely, oh, and it just oh. it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me. It just really doesn't. It doesn't make any sense to me. Like why there's this need to do that. Like this was all bad. We don't have to like take one thing down. For the sake of another to prove that it's bad it's bad it's 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 okay that it's bad well no it's not okay but like it's it's not great and that's ah screams but um yeah the tori gets that fun thing but yeah pumpkins are an interesting thing i they're a very weird vegetable yeah they're kind of uh, strange but they're delicious i I don't like when people try to make pumpkin savory. It makes me angry. No, it's very confusing to me. Uh, And I don't say that like as a culturally dismissive thing. Yes, I know that there's different cultures that like make savory pumpkin stuff. I know I'm not that (laughs) uncultured, but like, it's just a weird, like my brain is expecting like cinnamon and stuff, but that's not what happens. And it's like, oh, this is curry. (laughs) Curry. I don't. I'm not refined enough to like curry yet. That's what I've, that's what I've learned. I'm not, I'm not there yet emotionally. I can't appreciate the complexity. It still kind of turns me into a child and I'm just like, bleh. <laughs> all right. So some more themes and symbols. By all um, means. We have a bunch of important names in this. Um, it's called we, Terry Town. We have a bunch of. The reason the area is called Terrytown, it's because when the women were running errands, evidently that's where the men got drunk. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they tarried. Um, 
Gunpowder is the name of Ichabod's horse, which is hysterical because that horse does not want to go anywhere or do anything. It is way, way past its prime. At one point in time, it was probably a very strong horse that did a lot of work. But at this point in time, it wants to be left alone to eat its oats. But in all fairness, gunpowder is also very unreliable sometimes. Yeah. Like it just is. Like it's not always as reliable as people make it sound. I know way too much about ancient weapons. Uh, aside, there is an episode of Deadliest Warrior in which it's a crazy horse versus Pancho Villa. And like the Pancho Villa expert is like a short Hispanic man who looks like he fell off of the hot sauce bottle. He does. He just does. <laughs> <laughs> they're doing a test and it's crazy horses expert first and it's like okay we have our the guy's name is fernando like we have our fernando model set up for you and he's like you know pretty low into the ground it's like about the right height and the vacha via expert just like cocks his gun casually <laughs> and like it's played deadpan like they just move on it's like that's the funniest fucking thing i've ever heard like he just threatened to blow out your kneecaps because you called him short. We're not going to just roll past this casually. And once more, a perfect example of short man energy. Just fucking ready. Before we get into the sheer amount of random racism in this book, I am going to go into what I don't Hessian think it's random. Is. I don't think it's random. It's not random. Don't do that. Okay. So Hessians, just so y'all know, because this isn't something we really talk about with the American Revolution. We kind of gloss this one over. So Hessian soldiers were German soldiers that were hired by the British to fight against the colonists during the American mm -hmm. Revolution. Um, they were very disciplined. They were excellent soldiers. There were about 3,000 of them, and they made up about a quarter of the British forces. And so in some terms, they're considered to be mercenaries, so real-life boogeymen. Mm -hmm. There's debate about that term because in the Geneva Convention from 1977, they're considered mm -hmm. to be auxiliary soldiers. They're soldiers that are hired to fight with the, the main army versus kind of lone gunmen out to do their own thing. So according to the Geneva Convention, they are no longer considered to be mercenaries. Mm -hmm. um, Sleepy Hollow actually does have a German soldier that's buried there. So there's a buried Hessian soldier at their local cemetery. Um, the big rumor was that during one of the battles in the revolution, his head was blown off by a cannonball and so the whole story was that his body could be seen riding a black horse to rejoin the battle without a head. Yeah, it's uh That was like their local thing. So that's where a lot of this stems from. Yeah. Um, oh boy. Also, that means that we could talk about uh, the gay Prussian that saved America. Yay! He's like my favorite. Old Fritz. So I know about this and, and please feel free to, to take over, but basically Happily. he got kicked out of Prussia because he was gay and very mm -hmm. kind, not necessarily super open about it, but had a relationship. And they said, I don't care if you're doing amazing things for our army, you're gay, get out. Mm -hmm. So the American revolution, we'd already had some success mm -hmm. with um, Lafayette. And we, so we yes. had, people from other countries kind of come over and be amazing little heroes, not little heroes, but it'd be amazing heroes throughout. Yes. And so he comes over and they're like, 
you're gay. Okay, well, that's a little uncomfortable. But you're also willing to train us, and we have no skills. So if you could, like, step in and do this, you are welcome here. But also, like, just how extra he was, like, often, like, laying on, like, chairs and stuff like that while instructing men to shoot and then, like, fucking a lot of American soldiers because he can. Yeah, those are things... Uh, there's an episode of Drunk History about that, which is great, and you should watch Drunk History because uh, I don't think either of us are that drunk yet. But yeah, the like box there was, set. It's like there's a gay Prussian that saved America. Uh, on top of yeah, some very very questionable Frenchmen, and it is thanks to an uncomfortable French boner that Thomas Jefferson got to be extra trash. Though I do love the fact that um. The Marquis de Lafayette actually was closer to Washington than he was Jefferson. So he gave Washington the key to the Bastille, knowing that it would piss off Jefferson. What I love, too, is that after a few decades, when Lafayette was a lot older and the U.S. had been more established, he came back to basically do like the Beatles world tour. Yes, he did. uh, To wrap it up. There's a whole book um, called Lafayette and the Partially United States, I think it is. Mm -hmm. Um, It's Sarah Vowell. It's amazing. I'll I'll link it in our show notes. But Mm -hmm. um, talking about basically when he came to, he like landed in the U.S. like with the ship and all that. um, There were so many people that per capita, it was more than women who met for the Beatles. He Mm -hmm. went to parties where they had cakes and clothing and things with like his face painted on them like mm-hmm. everybody wanted a piece of Lafayette at this point in time which I think is hysterical but fabulous so um, yeah. there are some people with with older collections of things from that time period that'll have plates with the Marquis de Lafayette painted on them um they're not like really something you could easily access on eBay though so eh, if you try hard enough and you have enough money yeah, like I want to start a collection of uranium glass. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, I don't need radioactive things in my house, but I want a collection of uranium glass. Do you want to talk about anti-Semitism? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> so um, there is some racial coding in this. There is some blatant shit, um, and then there's um, some racial coding. Um, okay. So first of all, more than once, Washington Irving talks about Black people in this book about them spying through windows and you know all the things that they do and how they're shady this is where i insert a reminder if you're not watching crash course black american history you should all be watching crash course black american history yes <laughs> just just like, go writing just, all just, this stuff down like just after this just go watch crash course black american history just just binge it just binge it no i cannot in good faith recommend that it's rough <laughs> Get it's here. A, no, I'm just kidding. Um, it's a. There was a moment where I was. I I didn't watch uh, the movie Roots until I was in high school because you know it wasn't my time. I remember watching it with a friend who was white, and we finished all of Roots. And I remember turning to her and saying, "I think I hate white people." She looked at me and said, "I think I hate white people too." <laughs> I remember that movie being on TV because I don't Which know why. They were re-airing it or something and my mom's like hey this is an important movie for you to watch and I just like looked at her and went why the fuck are oh I did obviously it was like nine I didn't say fuck but I'm like why are people evil yeah why would they do this and she just kind of looks at me and I'm like this is this is not okay no keep in mind I come from a family and I know this is bullshit where they go 
yes, our relatives had slaves, but they were happy. And I'm like, no human being is happy in shackles unless it's a BDSM party and they know they're getting out later. Okay. Like, have I, have I told you the story of a birthday cake for Mr. Washington? I feel like you did at one point in time, but I feel like you should tell everybody. Okay. (laughs) So uh, the myth of the happy Negro is something that has existed pretty much since slavery. And it's something that especially now a lot of uh, schools like to perpetuate because slavery, because slavery is hard. Like, I, I don't want to say that I give a pass to this, but I can understand in the fattest of air quotes that I, if, if my people had done an atrocity, that I would want to distance myself from said atrocity. I get that. Um, I don't think that denial is the right method, paints, uh, points vaguely at Germany right now with the Holocaust. And I don't think that making it sound like it was all okay is also the answer uh, points vaguely at the U.S. for all the Civil War stuff and slavery. I think really the country that's doing it the best right now, honestly, is kind of just Canada, where they're like, this was really bad and we just have nothing to say. And like, not disrespectful, we have nothing to say, but like, we know anything that we have to say is not going to make up for this like it's just a very just like it, it's a quiet but it's a very measured quiet of like we know that there are no words there's no press release there's no statement there's no commemoration of a holiday that makes what we did all right so the myth of the happy slave very much is a thing and there was a children's book a children's book that was it's called a birthday cake for mr washington and it's all the slaves in the washington house on mount vernon and it's Mr. Washington's birthday, and they're going to bake him a cake because he's such a good slave owner. <laughs> the graves found on the property proved that that was a lie. Honestly, most of them didn't even get graves. The graves are very recent. I went to Mount Vernon. Oh, no, I mean, uh, like, the mass graves. Oh, not like, the just go, the pit of bodies, yeah. Like, yeah. most of them didn't even get graves. You mean, like, the, the, the hole where bodies were found, like you do for some dogs that you don't love? Yeah, like... But that, that was a children's book, the children. Uh, and it's all the slaves in the Mount Vernon, like we're gonna get together and bake Mr. Washington the birthday cake because he's such a nice slave owner. And we're so glad that he's nice to us. And uh, my friend Amber, who's black and a historian, I remember telling her about this book. And I, I, I think I've seen her less angry at being called a slur. Like she was livid. I, and I was upset, but I'm mostly just like, this is absurd and terrible. She was mad. And I get it, because, like, that's the shit, that's the problem, is that you're telling children that, like, this was okay. And it, it, it wasn't, it, it wasn't, like, even if, like, let's, let's go really crazy and say that Washington was a, sla- a chill slave owner, which he wasn't. Uh, but let's say that he was. Uh, he still owned people, which, checks notes, is not okay. Kitty! Yeah, so just so you know, River has been like pawing at the door for the past 10 minutes and then figured out how to get in because she's like, I can tell my people are in emotional peril. Good job. Thank you. Thank you, anti-racism cat. We appreciate it. Good job, anti-racism cat. New sticker coming to the store when I finish. <laughs> Thank, thanks, anti-racism cat. But yeah, uh, a birthday cake for Mr. Washington. Don't read it. Instead, get the fun board game 
uh, the Underground Railroad, where you and your friends can play the Underground Railroad, and you can sell out your friends for money and safety. Yeah, no, don't, don't do that. That's, that's, that's like, the no. You want, no. you want to lose friendships in a, in a, in a board game faster than Monopoly? Play Underground Railroad where you can rat out your friends for safety. Do we want to talk about uh, coding? <sighs> would you, for, firstly, would you like to read the message that I sent to you? Uh, the, the comment that I left for you. In, so, in I, we, we have, you know, the Google Docs thing so we can go back and forth throughout the weeks as we're working yeah. on things. Yeah. And I had just put a note that said, there's a lot of racism in this. And Amanda writes, it was a different time in parentheses as a joke. Like that's one of our jokes that we mm-hmm. have all the time. Mm-hmm. And then I get, is Ichabod meant to be Jew-coded? And I said, yes. And I go, mmm, taste that inner anti-Semitism. And Amanda responds, it- <laughs> we think we have to explain that joke first. <laughs> so, <laughs> have y'all read the, uh, the Grinch story? Yes. He seen, took, took the roast the pudding. He took what is he took the something pudding. He took, he took the, the who pudding. He took the roast beast. beast. Amanda has written. He took the Jew pudding. He took a Jew beast. Okay, so we're gonna go Back into pedal. this. Yes, Ichabod is written, and it's very clearly portrayed in the 1940s Disney adaptation because Disney also didn't like the Jews as somebody who was probably more Jewish. And Washington Irving even kind of hints at this in the story when he says they didn't trust him because he was from Connecticut. It was like, I, we couldn't say we don't trust him because he's Jewish. Yes, They had to say we don't trust him because he's from Connecticut. And even worse, he disappears, right? They're he all does. talking about how, you know, He's so big on getting all this food and stuff and how, you know, he wouldn't make a good match for Von Tossel. Okay, first, raw. And then he disappears and everybody's like, oh, okay, we don't have to go looking for him. What the hell? The whole rumors about Ichabod later on, like just kind of thrown out there, are that he disappeared and married a very rich widow for her money. It honestly reminds me of a. Do, okay, do you watch a lot of Sasha Baron Cohen? Like I try not to. Okay, that's fair. Uh, I'm not going to defend him. I will say that what I like about a lot of his comedy is that he gets people to reveal what they say in private. Uh, so like one of his early skits is Borat. He like goes to this like country bar, and he starts singing this song, and the song is actually called uh, "Throw the Jew Down the Well." I was gonna say I I remember this because he intentionally makes it catchy. Yeah. So that everyone in the catchy. bar will join in. Right. And it, and it is a catchy awful. song. Like, I can hear it now that I've said it. Like it's a very catchy song. And again, like that's what I kind of like about him. I think he often takes it too far. I think that's why the second movie is much better than the first for Borat. Uh, because I think the first was just it was trying too hard to just be gross weird and shocking I think the second one was actually trying to say something um 
but he just he gets people to say what they normally would say in private out in public or when he's usually in the south what they would say regardless but just now with cameras and he got an entire little bar to start singing you know my country has a problem and it is jew throw the jew in the well and it's like i don't understand a lot of racial intolerance oh Uh, it's it's heavy I, I know countries. it is it's heavy I, they were still kicking people out in the early 90s and, and, I, and, I, and I so I I know the history I I know like in theory why I've, I've heard some of the reasons that might root into this some of into some of this stuff but like it's more of a lack of fundamental understanding of like I I don't get it I don't, I don't okay i don't understand how this day di- in this day and age it's still a thing like does do a I lot of these people in the south not understand that christianity stems from judaism do they not understand i can i can promise you they don't it's oh my god i can i there can i would bet you no cabal of jewish people controlling hollywood and the rest of the world y'all if that was talk, the case, I don't want to talk about QAnon, please. Oh God, I don't want to talk about QAnon, please. Even though I did label this spooky insulation. I love so I'm obsessed with the show Ted Lasso. I know you all are surprised about that. Um, oh, it's very shocking. There's a part where like they're talking about stuff, and uh, Ted looks at Coach Beard and says, "How is how is Mrs. Beard?" And he goes, "Full on QAnon." And it was like that moment where you're just going, yeah, I, uh, I know these people. I once, oh, I had to try not to fight with a coworker. This is no longer a coworker because I left. This was the final instance where I was just like, I'm done here. Mm-hmm. Um, I've talked about this on the show before where uh, we're stuck at a place waiting for an adjuster to show up and he's tried to tell me, a bunch of random racist QAnon stuff and mm-hmm. me just looking at him like and even if I report this to our internal HR nothing is gonna get done mm-hmm. so he was one of those people who likes to talk about oh you know black people were happy on plantation well, no stop he would start to get into stuff about Muslims and Jews and I would be like sir sir I'm gonna need you to walk away from me right the fuck now i just looked at him i said i'm going to agree to disagree with you and we are stopping this conversation because you mm-hmm. need to be here right now and so do i and we are not continuing this uh, yeah i don't really like i who don't that? who decides that your coworker must be the person that you need to spread your q on to anyway, okay i mean realistically i don't think that those people care uh I mean, I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm throwing a softball at QAnon people. Uh, Tori, am I allowed to buy a tote bag from Ethan Birds that has a grieve on it that says perhaps you should consider eating some dicks? Yeah, no, you should definitely get that. Thank you. I appreciate it. So I'm going to go from our, our usual Tori getting upset because people were mean to the Jews and to the Black people. Um, we're going to... Are you Okay. I love it like that just tracks. It's like, yeah, go ahead. I don't know why yeah. you don't already own that. <laughs> yeah, no, honestly. I'm going to tell you some... Uh, headless horsemen's? 
Yes, I'm going to tell you some spooky cultural stuff. So mm. a, a lot of um, the area in Appalachia and a lot of um, the initial settlers in- I'm sorry, in, can you run that pronunciation by me one more time? Appalachia. Appalachia? It's supposed to be Appalachia. Your mom. That's how Appalachians say it. Your mom. So <laughs> this whole thing, like you had a lot of people who came from Celtic countries. You had people who came from England. You had people who mm-hmm. came from, you know, some from the continent. You had a lot of Germans as well. Um, there is a series of myths and legends and stuff that come from like Ireland and England. So you have things like Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, where he encounters basically a guy who got his head cut off, puts it right back on. Right. Mm-hmm. You have the, you, du- you have the uh, Dulahan of Ireland. It's pronounced like four different ways, and there's like eight different spellings. Yeah, I I don't have. Um, this one kind of tracks a little bit like the Banche, where um, it's somebody who comes for- or a creature that comes forward and announces the death of a person. So basically, if you hear him say a name, that's the next person who's going to die. If he stops in a location that's where the death is going to occur but he's seen riding out holding his head in his hand as basically a lantern so he can see farther ahead mm-hmm. uh, there are a bunch of different origin stories for this but it's very popular all through like western culture um any place where horses became popular any place where um there were wars and there was a mm-hmm. chance of somebody losing a head you see these these cultures come out these these um stories so this is more widespread than just sleepy hollow and absolutely like honestly i think most cultures with horses yeah they do have some kind of headless horseman uh it's all i'm gonna be Uh, very honest with you it's all so weird it's it's interesting to me that almost every culture has their own concept of demons they have their own have a big foot yeah, they all have a Bigfoot. Um, it'll be called different things and have different descriptions, but the general thing is there. Um, we're talking about cultures what that never interacted. What is the plane that just landed in your backyard? So there is a lot of construction where I am. And oh, also okay. we live near an Air Force base, not to triangulate my location. So unfortunately, Mm, at least once a day I get that kind of noise so as you notice I just kept going because I'm like whatever it's fine sorry it's been a while for me and I was like what the what fucking jet just landed in your backyard so oh my god Texas we also have our own headless horseman and the messed up thing about this is it's just uh it was two Texas rangers that decided they were gonna take inspiration from Washington Irving uh they killed a uh Hispanic man who was a cattle rustler um and to make an example of him they cut off his head uh Mm -hmm. they attached him to his poor frightened horse Mm -hmm. um tied him to the horse tied his head to his hand smacked Mm -hmm. the back of the horse and uh let it ride out into the desert Mm -hmm. so people would see this headless rider he became known as El Muerto um Mm -hmm. And it became a very popular story in South Texas, of mm-hmm. basically our headless horseman. Um, eventually, they were able to get a hold of the horse and mm-hmm. get the body off the horse, that poor freaking horse. Um, and he's buried off at a ranch um, in very, very South Texas. But there's still, you know, the rumor we have our own of like 
when it's a storm out in the middle of the desert, you see a lightning strike and you'll see this horse rear up with a headless horseman. Um, yeah, um, actually, there's a couple of great Monstrum episodes. Uh, not yet uh, friends of the show, but hoping to. Also, do I get to talk about the Red Ghost? Mm-hmm. Okay, so <clears throat> America and all of its infinitely terrible ideas decided that if we're going to go uh, colonize the West, we need camels. <laughs> so they brought a bunch of camels over. Actually, uh, Indianola here in Texas was a huge port city for them. Uh so they're like, we're going to build a camel corpse because we can. That went about as well as you think it did. It actually went very, very poorly. A bunch of men were trampled to death and camels are big and mean and uh, bad. I spoiled it because you need to understand that to get to the absurdity of one of these camels apparently got loose and trampled a bunch of people to death in the desert during like the 1800s and the people had never seen a camel before so they just saw this large red angry creature that stomped a bunch of people to death and it had a body attached to it so you know after stomping a few people because you know that's a few people too many eventually some guys find him and it's just a fucking camel with a soldier on his back uh, that was tied there. Likely the story goes that it was a deserter or someone who was trying to desert, which is why he got strapped to the camel and the camel was like, I don't like having a fucking dead guy on me. <laughs> which is why the camel was so honorary. But that was the Red Ghost, uh, a hilarious aspect of uh, American history. Pretty sure that was covered in uh, Stuff You Missed in History class. It's It tracks, though. Why is America weird? We're the weirdest. Well, that was what I was talking about earlier is I had this whole plan to go to like Europe and stuff. And now I'm just like making a map of all the spooky places that I can go in New England and drive within five hours. Yeah, absolutely. Like I really want to go visit my family in Virginia and like go visit Roanoke and stuff. Because I have family in Virginia, which is the most Southern Black thing on earth. (laughs) We just decided to build houses in Virginia. Do we want to talk about Washington Irving? Not particularly. He was racist. What? So, and a man of his time. Um, uh, Washington Irving was born April 3rd, 1783 in New York City. I know you're all surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, he died in 1959 in November. He is actually buried in the Sleepy Hollow Cemetery in New York. It is a big tourist destination for spooky weird kids like us um he died in Terrytown, so like it's all kind of the same area um away from new york city his Mm -hmm. dad was originally from orkney in scotland so a lot of the myths and legends track um his mom was from cornwall also known as a pretty mystical region Uh, Mm -hmm. both are considered to be super mystical places um in orkney you can still go to museums and hold viking skulls that are like 500 years old I know don't don't touch stop it no I mean like the tour guides hand you them this is one of my friends was a tour guide in Orkney I Um, don't like that either way (laughs) she was she told us too because one night we're all kind of sitting there drinking this is when I was living in Scotland and she starts talking about selkies and she's like oh yeah that stuff's all real she's like I don't understand why people don't think it is she goes we see them all the time and I'm like I live in the wrong country (laughs) anyway um 
wait, no, no, no. You're not casually breezing by that. What? Yeah, no, she seriously goes, yeah, sulkies are real. We see them all the time. And then she glossed over it and went to something else. I don't like that. And I'm like, are you just messing with us because we're Americans and we'll believe whatever you tell us or? Oh my God. Yeah, now we have to worry about sulkies. Great. So his Washington Irving's family actually settled in Manhattan in the merchant class. Irving mm-hmm. was born uh, the same week New York found out about the British ceasefire ending the American Revolution. So in honor, her mom named her son Washington. Um, when Washington Irving was six years old, he met George Washington, who was his hero, <laughs> going back to our previous conversation. Um, uh. Supposedly, George Washington bestowed his blessing on Irving. And later, he ended up having a painting done in watercolor to commemorate the meeting. And that is the ultimate fanboy moment. The portrait is actually still hanging in the home museum for Washington Irving. Lovely. Um, He wasn't that great at school. He didn't really like it. So he would sneak out when they lived in New York City and he would go to the theater. It's about when he was 14. Um, Mm -hmm. So he started to get a really big idea and stories and, you know, things that he wanted to see. Um, In 1708, they went to stay with a family friend in Terrytown, New York to escape sickness going through New York City. Um, mm-hmm. He ended up seeing the nearby town of Sleepy Hollow. And when he was out in the landscape, he fell madly in love with it and ended up writing the Rip Van Winkle story. So another famous story by Washington Irving. For those of you who don't know who Rip Van Winkle is, it's the story of a man who basically falls asleep under a tree, spends a bunch of time with the fae, wakes up and he's very old and everybody he knows is dead. Oh, did you see that TikTok I sent you? where this kid like summons a cup magically i did are we just gonna gloss over that i love the fact that so there's there's a in this video somebody is like duetting it at the end and they're like okay carol ann and um i I love references to poltergeist yes she wanted her drink it was helping either that or there was like a water trail and it just slid but but there was no water trail visible. That's some face shit. Yeah. And I don't like it. So Washington Irving was kind of a mess. I know we're all surprised. Um, his God. brothers ended up getting really rich in the merchant trade. And so they helped him out financially so he could spend time and write because Washington Irving made a big point about how, you know, writers should be allowed to make a living. Um, what? It's evidently very helpful when you have rich family members. So yeah, look at uh, from Harper 18... Lee, who had a friend who paid for her to just sit at home and write. Wasn't so, it? Yep, it was Harper Lee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, her friend, it was her, her, like a present for a year they were going to pay for her. Um, and then you see hard working writers like Toni Morrison and stuff like that who had full-time jobs and would write in the morning and write in the evening and write when, in, as often as they could. Mm-hmm. So, um, so basically, Washington Irving's brothers sent him to Europe as a tour, on a tour because they were like, yeah, your health is really bad, so you should go to Europe. Um, he went to Italy and talked a lot of crap about how much he hated Italy, just in case yeah. anybody cares. Um, when he was 19, he started sending commentaries and letters to the New York Morning Chronicle. Mm-hmm. At the time, Aaron Burr was a co-publisher and liked his articles and he started sending them to his daughter, Theodosia. So if you want the Hamilton tie-in. Um, Washington Irving published under names Jeffrey Crayon, 
John Oldstyle, Diedrich Knickerbocker, and whatever he felt like at the time. Um, he struck up a friendship with Sir Walter Scott, which is hysterical because Sir Walter Scott is responsible for a lot of the myths and legends that we have nowadays about English culture, um, stuff that he just made up. Um, yeah. <laughs> Irving uh, published throughout most of his life, including completing an entire massive five-volume biography of George Washington eight months before he died at 76, as in Washington Neat. Irving died, not George Washington. Um, like before Holmes died Irving's works did very well in Europe and he was one of the first American writers to get that kind of attention um, this ended up opening the door for Longfellow Melville Poe and unfortunately everybody's least favorite author Nathaniel Hawthorne he so has the- to be someone's favorite I don't think that they're right I have a feeling to- that like we're gonna get that one person that sends us a tweet that wants to have a throwdown Tori, I got canceled by guinea pig people. Nothing would shock me anymore. I'm just going to, like, carry around a pumpkin to throw at people. Stop Um, throwing pumpkins at people. So part of uh, Irving's, like I said, his full-time profession, not a pastime writer thing, was he fought a lot of uh, copyright infringement for a lot of copyright infringement laws. Uh, At Mm -hmm. the time, and we've talked about this before, Americans could basically take a work that they got from England and publish it Mm -hmm. themselves over and Mm -hmm. over and over again but that author in England didn't make that money and vice versa so if an American author story made it over to England there was no copyright law to prevent that from happening from them publishing it um Mm -hmm. so it was a very big deal about getting paid um he was gonna be okay though because brothers took care of him anyway welcome to the life of Washington Irving it's less interesting than you think. Ultimate George Washington fanboy. Yeah. Um, did we have to read this for school? Uh, so I'm a nerd and I read this for fun <laughs> as a child, which again, I'm going to put that in the box of uh, things that you should have, that things that really none of this is a surprise. Uh, also, I very much enjoyed uh the animated disney movie when i was a kid which so had fucking bing crosby in it i yeah i think it was bing crosby and he like sings the whole song and it's a I'm whole sorry. thing i have to do an aside about this so uh i've mentioned this before but for new listeners to the podcast first of all how are you just finding this episode uh second, <laughs> second of all i'm a huge animation nerd uh and i particularly love like older older american animation Whatever the fuck Disney and, like, everyone was doing back then. Like, I was looking at, like, some of the old casts for, like, the rescuers and stuff. Do they just have these fucking actors just, like, in a closet somewhere? Do you just open up a closet and, like, Thurl Ravenscroft just, like, falls out and he's like, yeah, sure, let's go. Like, pretty much. Where are you getting fucking... There's so many famous people in these movies. Did, oh, did, yeah. Did Bing Crosby just owe someone money? He didn't have to do this. He was in a bunch of dumb movies where he pretended to act with Frank Sinatra, who was garbage. He was. Sorry. No, he's totally garbage. He's garbage. The man totally. could sing, but he was a terrible human being. Most of history. <laughs> the man could sing. He was, he was awful. Like, just, uh, it blows my mind. Like, there are all these names in these old animated movies and it's just like 
you were like the most famous human being, uh, which is ironic because I just did a post for Fangirl Nation, shameless plug, about uh, not letting voice actors act anymore because we see that to this day, but now it's bad. <laughs> What's interesting to me too is this is nothing like that's changed either. Now Disney tends to have famous, more famous actors do like mm-hmm. the, or musicians really kind of do the movie music tie-in like mm-hmm. oh we have Demi Lovato doing Let It Go or what I don't know even know if it was Demi Lovato I don't remember um but they have that kind of tie-in like mm-hmm. Peggy Lee being in uh doing He's a Tramp and Lady in the Tramp Louis mm-hmm. Prima doing the very famous um I Want to Be Like You song like in Jungle Book which like, is very racist oh yeah oh yeah which we're not going to talk about because we don't have time but if you really want to like get on a tear with some folks, talk about the coding and I want to be like you. <gasps> oh, it's a hoot. So I feel like I had to read this book in school, but I remembered absolutely none of it. I knew That's like fair. the basics of it, like mm-hmm. Headless Horseman, Riding Through Town, Ichabod Crane. But so much I think of it had been colored by the Tim Burton movie because that used to be like my... I am so depressed I can't function. Let me put this movie on because it's near October movie. Um, I'm sorry. I'm not laughing at that. I'm laughing that that's your movie. Right? Like that's changed now. But I mean, I, it used to be that and then like Interview with the Vampire, which I had Oh man, memorized. let us know what your I'm too depressed to function movie is. Uh, yes. I feel like mine has, I feel like it has to be a Tarantino. I feel like, I feel like mine's probably a Tarantino. Yeah, let us know in the comments what your uh, I'm Too Depressed to Function movie is. So we used a lot of resources. We always do. We'll include those. Um, yes. But I do want to give a shout out. There's a podcast called Willing and Fable. Um, they had a really good breakdown on the different Headless Horseman myths throughout cultures. Mm-hmm. And they were hysterical because they were rating who was hot and who was not. Mm-hmm. Um okay um but it was really fun to listen to yeah I mean we can we can figure out who was hot and who was not I think I don't know if we'll have a satisfying answer but we could certainly try also uh I just opened up Amazon and under my books you may like I have like three manga and then a Misha Collins book of poetry and the satanic bible next to Sandman Okay, most of those tracked until we got to the Satanic Bible. I mean, it's Anton LaVey. I don't hate him. Why do you think I like Dune, Amazon? I like good books. I How like do Dune, but it's a it's a book that's a slog. It definitely is. I love yeah. the concepts. I love the David Lynch movie. I am definitely going to see the new one that's coming out. Um, watch the one that was on sci-fi. <laughs> But it's definitely a book that I have to listen to on audio versus yeah. reading because otherwise my brain goes, okay, Betty Jo's what witches. Okay, that's fascinating. This is a really cool cultural. Yeah, pretty much. It was like, thanks, Amazon. You clearly don't know what I like at all, except for the few manga. Some of the manga weren't super uh, off brand. So... We did have resources. Yeah, uh, we'll list all of those, obviously. Uh, Tori, do you want to tell the nice people what we're reading next? So we're going to go into (laughs) roommates, friends, 
or actual lesbians with Col- her colleagues colleagues very very close very, uh, very so close carmilla by sheridan le fanyu yes uh we've we've talked about this book already uh this is another entry in tori lists five obscure books that no one has read but her <laughs> oh yeah no i'm like we could do Shirley Jackson, or we could do this, or we could do this. And I've got like this whole list, and Amanda's like, why? Why? Like, this is another entry in um, Tori lists 30 books that no one has read but her. And Amanda comes in with obvious easy solution, which apparently only works if you're if you have not pointed the anxiety in your own direction, i.e., me desperately trying to milk two costumes out of one despite having a closet full of costumes. I think what happens is I go, I have to make this exotic and interesting and different and we can't possibly go with the easy choice. And then I forget what the easy choices are. Yes. And then Amanda goes, I love you, but you're dumb. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's pretty you're much. You say it in a nice, loving, professional way. I do, but, but yeah, that's, that's kind of, I, I laugh because that's exactly what it is. It's like, I love you. You're an idiot. Please stop. <laughs> because just remember, it does, even if you have an advanced degree, and even if you read all the time, and there are some areas that you are highly intelligent in, there are also some areas like common sense where sometimes you are a dumbass. And I am as guilty of that as anybody on the planet. I just so, got a recommendation for a coffee called Napalm. That sounds like... That, that sounds one, much. but also that sounds really like culturally insensitive considering like how many people were affected by Listen, that. And I know that that was Vietnam and not Korea, but immediately suicide is painless from MASH started playing in my head because that's like my husband's favorite TV show, even though he's like 30 years too young for it. Okay. But it was also like one of my favorite TV shows as a kid. Because it it's was really on. Good. And it's one of those things where it shouldn't be that good, but it's so good. It's it's so good. Like ER. Uh also I found Valhalla Java, which I feel like you need. Listen, I'm trying to get into Freya's realm. If that doesn't work out for me, this is so funny. It's called the, the Odin Force Blend. So I was joking with people, people being my my daughter, and I said. When I say I want to fight God, it always means Zeus. When I say God is dead, I'm talking about Odin sleeping. And she just kind of looks at me and I go, and when it's the Judeo-Christian God, I am not messing with that. I'll be over here in the corner, okay? I have, I mean, you're not wrong and I'm not going to fight you on that. Uh, You know, I, I support you. Tori was like, I'm having this crisis of faith. And I was like, cool. And she's like, I, I feel like for a moment she was like, why isn't there more of a reaction? And I'm very much just like, out of all the things you've said, this is the least shocking thing. Our entire friendship has been marred with Cancerian passive aggressiveness to, to Sagittarian whim. What's fun too is it just like, this is a yearly occurrence. This is a yearly occurrence. Yeah. I am down. I am 100% committed. And then I start like, okay, so fair warning, I was raised evangelical. So when I talk crap on evangelicalism, it's because I've been through it. I don't I've think been you traumatized need to, to talk shit about evangelicals. Um, but every once in a while that like evangelical well will like start to come up and be like, 
you're going to hell. You're a terrible human being. And I'm sitting there going, I'm not a terrible human. What? What? And it's like, I'm like, but I believe in this. I believe in this. And this all kind of tracks. But because I don't hate gay people, that's a problem? Like, Yeah, what? you should. Yeah, you should apparently actually hate some of your neighbors. I mean, I don't understand what part we all started uh thinking jesus was stuttering on on the whole love your neighbor thing but i mean technically if you go back there was some parts about laying with men and goats and uh, no one no one who talks about the bible has read the bible what fascinates me too is a lot of the translations in leviticus like if you're getting down to the whole passages about uh men laying with men and women laying with women the way it's described is actually more you shouldn't be sleeping with children Anyway, also moving away. That this book isn't real. I think it's real. I think parts of it are real. Parts of it are history. But it's it's written in so many different genres of books by so many different people and thrown together. And then certain parts were taken out, and some parts have been retranslated incorrectly over the past like several hundred years. And then Mm -hmm. you get versions like the message that I just want to throw into the ocean. And then you get left behind and then it's just all. And what's so fascinating with so much of our revelation stuff that we have in the United States, it's not anywhere else because it was a movement in like the late 1800s. Okay, we're done. We're done. Hi, we're still recording. So I should probably stop. Um, We're all over social media. So if you want to fight me, no, I'm just kidding. Um, we're okay, not to be rude. Ninety nine percent of the time, you'd be fighting a bit. <laughs> yes, uh, we're on unfortunately required reading on Facebook, which I mostly just put spark notes. It's basically a spark notes stan account at this point. Um, yes. Unfortunately, are are on Twitter, which Where um, I mostly retweet fuckboys literature and spark notes. <laughs> um, unfortunately, required on Instagram, which is where we usually put our pictures of alcoholic beverages. Correct. And then unfortunatelyrequiredreading.com, or you can email us directly at unfortunatelyrequiredreading at gmail.com. Yes. Uh, if you'd like to suggest a book for the podcast, you may do so or tell us a funny story about your English class. Also, if you'd like to support the podcast financially, you may do so at anchor.fm slash unfortunatelyrequiredreading. Your monetary support is not mandatory, but it is greatly appreciated. This is now the part of the show where I'd like to thank our paid sponsors. One of them will be back on the show in November because he keeps demanding that I mention it. I'm excited to talk. Cancerian passive aggressiveness. <laughs> it is a miserable superpower. Oh yeah. So tell us in um, on Twitter or wherever where your uh, what your favorite depression movie is. Uh, yeah, if you have a favorite depression, favorite depression book. Movie. And if there's a place in the United States, especially along the Eastern seaboard, that's creepy as hell that I should go check out when eventually Mm -hmm. I go crazy and run away from home. Why are you running from home? I mean, I don't have any money, so I'm very small enough, no money. I need you to at least stay so in case I cause an international incident when I hopefully travel next year, that you can save me. You just show up dressed as your lawyer to the embassy. Yes, I need you to be here. But just in case I cause an international incident, that someone is here to rescue me because I know good and damn well my aunts are not going to be able to, nor likely will they. I need you. 
I mean, I'll try to be functional. That's all I can ask of you. All right, y'all go read a book. Yeah, just go, just go, go read, get vaccinated, go read a book.